We're starting a new series today for the next couple of weeks uh, titled Resurrection Stories. And having a look at, you know, uh, for those who didn't realize last weekend was Easter, uh, which was awesome. We had a great, uh, great weekend throughout our church. You know, we had two services, Good Friday. We had two services here as normal, plus a 6 a.m. Uh, dawn service. Did anyone rock up at 6 a.m. hoping for church this morning? Nope, that's good. Uh, that, was a, that was a special occasion. It was Easter. And we also, at our Malaloo campus, had a movie night, which saw over 550 people from our community come down and just hang out. So what an incredible uh, weekend we had. And so we're going to spend some time over the next couple of weeks looking at some of the stories uh, that people encountered with Jesus as he had risen from the grave. So we know at Easter, we kind of, we celebrate uh, what Christ did for us, that he, that he died, that he gave his life at the cross for you and for I, but that he didn't stay there, but he actually rose again. And, and the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at these, these stories of Jesus appearing to, to kind of his disciples and, and different people and the things that he says and, and the instructions he leaves and the encounters that he has uh, with these guys. Sometimes it's, it's easy to go and go, Jesus rose again and we're here today. But a whole bunch of stuff kind of happened uh, and needed to happen during that time. So we're going to have a, a look at some of those stories. And today, uh, we're going to look at a, a character by the name of Thomas. Now, in case you're like me, it's not the tank engine. Uh, there's a lot of Thomas the tank engine in my house. Uh, but we're looking at a character, one of the disciples called Thomas. And Thomas had a nickname. Unfortunately, you know, like if you do something dumb in front of a, a bunch of people, you can often get coined a nickname that probably isn't fair. Uh, Thomas for forever is going to be known as, does anyone know Doubting Thomas? Thomas the Doubter. You know, it's a bit of a downer, isn't it? Wouldn't it be saying, oh, my name's Thomas, g'day doubter, how are you? You'd be spewing, like, that's, that's his lot in life uh, because of this one kind of encounter that we're going to have a look at today uh, as Jesus kind of appears to his disciples and what that looks like for our mate called Thomas. And uh, we're going to start in, in John 20 at, at 24, and, and we'll read this. It'll be up on the screens for you as well. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin. So he had a better nickname, the twin, uh, which we replaced with the doubter, but that's okay was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. See, what's happened here is Thomas was not with the disciples the first time he appeared. Jesus appears to his disciples. He, he kind of reveals himself. He, he has a conversation with them. He talks to them. He lets them know a bit of what's going on. Thomas wasn't there. And so they come back to, to tell him the great news that they've seen Jesus, that he's not dead, that he's alive, that he's, he's risen from the dead. And Thomas responds with the no way. Like, I don't believe you. Like, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. Have you ever had a crazy experience in your life where you've seen something and then you've tried to explain it to someone else, but it seems so outrageous, they just think you're lying? Like this has happened to me several times. I'm an over-exaggerator when I tell stories and so sometimes people don't take me at face value because I like to ham the story up for effect. Not really, but sometimes. <laughs> but you know, I remember driving one time and just seeing like a car crash unfold before my eyes. And I remember like taking the double take and being like, when did that just happen? And then like two, how did that happen? And then like pulling over my car and stopping and the person runs up to me and they'll be like, will you be a witness? And I was like, what? And they're like, we need you to be a witness. Can we have your, your details? And I was like, sure. Like still a bit confused over kind of what, 
happen? And they begin trying to explain what happens. And of course, there's two different versions of the story, isn't there? Like, oh, I saw it this way and you pulled out in front of me. And then this, and this crazy event unfolds. And basically, it comes down to who will the witness kind of side with? Where's the truth going to come from? Where is the, the, the story? Where is the, the, the answer in all the outrageousness of what has just occurred? And I'm like, sure, I'll like say what I saw. And then that kind of like married up with what these people saw. And it brought some clarity to kind of what happened. But Thomas in this situation is almost like that. He's like, unless I kind of, you're not, like your story's not good enough. Unless I can experience it for myself. Unless I can actually touch his hands where the nails went. Unless I can put my finger, this one's a bit weird. If I can put my finger in the side where the, the spear went in. Unless I can kind of do that, I'm not going to believe you. His whole idea is this, he's like, I won't believe it unless I see it. If I can't see it, there is no way I'm going to believe what you're saying. And when we think about the situation and what these guys have just been through, it doesn't seem that outrageous. They followed Jesus for three years, everywhere he went, saw all the incredible things that he did. And in one afternoon, that was taken from them. One afternoon, following Jesus, having a plan for what he thought he was going to do, how he was going to overthrow the government, how he was going to bring power back to the people and do all the things that in their mind they thought they were going to do. One afternoon, that was taken away. And they were lost. In fact, in the story, it, it talks about how they're locked away in the room. They, they're, they're in fear when they're meeting and gathering together, so they lock the room. And then the disciples come running and say, hey, you know what, we've just seen Jesus. You can see how that might put a little bit of doubt in the mind of Thomas. See, when I, I read this story, I go, how could you doubt? But I've had years and years and years and, I, and I've, seen the end of the, I've seen the end of this story and how it plays out. And so it's easy for me to kind of look at Thomas. It's easy for you to look at him and go, come on, bro, why are you doubting? It's Jesus. But in his contacts where he is, the experiences that he had have caused him to doubt what he's hearing about Jesus. You know, in, in where we live today, it, it's pretty easy to, to live in like a fact-based world, isn't it? Like you can come and tell me something. If I don't believe you, what do I do? I just Google it. Like anything I say today, you can probably pull out your phone and Google it to see if it's true. I gotta be Preachers have to be careful <laughs> with the stories that we tell. But you know, I can imagine if this was me and you came and said, oh, Jesus is here. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen him post on Facebook. There's no tweets. Did he do an Insta story coming out of the tomb? Is there a boomerang? Like in, out, in, out. <laughs> there wasn't. I've got a friend who will never settle on, he'll remain nameless today, I won't name him, but he, he will always just Google something. But we're trying to figure something out and he'll just Google it and say the answer. I'm like, you're taking the fun out of our debate. I want to argue over this because I think I'm right. You'll Google it and I'm wrong. You've ruined it. But we live in this world where if we want information, it's so overconnected that we think we just Google it, we'll get the answer. We'll check Jesus' Facebook page. Did, is he... Has he, has he posted yet? He hasn't. It might not be true. I need to see a video of this. I need proof. I need evidence. I need to see. Can I Google the answer? Has Jesus ridden from the grave yet? They didn't have that. It was so countercultural to everything that he'd begun to believe that it caused him to doubt. You know what, we may not doubt today that, that Jesus rose from the dead. Maybe, I, I mean, I don't doubt that. Maybe you don't either. But there are things in our world that are going to cause us at times to be doubted. All of us. There's going to be things in the world that are going to help us in our journey. And there are going to be things that are going to cause us to question 
who Jesus is. Something bad happens to us. Oh, that doesn't line up with the way my life was going or what I believe in Jesus. Just maybe that's not true. Maybe someone will present a really great argument as to why faith is irrelevant. It can cause you to kind of begin to doubt. Maybe the pictures and the, the things that we put up of Jesus, maybe how, like, just like the disciples, how we think he should operate. It doesn't kind of go that way. And we begin to have a seed of doubt in our mind. How do we get around that? Because all of us at some point are going to be challenged. All of us at some point are going to be faced with doubt. All of us at some point are going to have to make decisions in our faith to continue to walk forward into what? God has for our lives. But doubt is one of those things that can just creep in. Just plant as a seed, begin to speak to us. Isn't it funny when you kind of see something sometimes and you have a bit of skepticism in your mind, you begin to see other things through a different lens and it begins to kind of compound and pile up and the way you're looking at it, it's, it's really easy then to begin doubting. It's not so hard to see how Thomas kind of arrived in this place. I just won't believe it unless I can see it. The story continues for us eight days later the word says so this is this has happened for eight days so eight days ago the disciples had this encounter with Jesus and they told Thomas about it and he said I'm I'm not going to believe it unless I see it eight days pass and his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them although the doors were locked Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you see about that for a moment I love that Jesus manages to sneak his way into a locked room. For a start, that like freaked me out. Like if I'm in a room and I'm hiding, like I'm in lockdown and someone just appears, peace be with you is a pretty good statement, right? Like just chill out, peace be with you. We're all good, just chill. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. I love that Jesus just comes right in the room, walks right on in and he meets Thomas right where he's at. You know, Thomas hasn't had the chance to say, oh, is it really you? Show me your hands. I've been checking your social, there's nothing there. What's going on, Jesus? Show me the side. I want to put my finger in there and, and, and feel the hole. Jesus walks right on in. He knows exactly where he's at. And he goes, you want to see? Here you go. Jesus always meets us where we are at. You know, I remember being uh, in Melbourne on a, on a holiday once. Or it was like a half holiday work trip. Went on a work trip, went a few days early. And I got some friends over there. I thought, I'll catch up. Uh, with one of my mates, and I messaged him. He's like, yeah, I'm working in the city, so just come find me at this place. Do you know where that is? And I'm like, I'm pretty smart, I'll find it. <laughs> I like to think I know my geography. I'll meet you there. He goes, I don't have a lot of time. And I'm like, cool, I'll make sure I'm punctual. We're all good. Anyway, one of those random days in Melbourne where it decides to be 40 degrees in the CBD. So it's like boiling hot, concrete jungle. I start walking and I'm like, this doesn't look like the part of Melbourne I thought I was supposed to be in. And then I'm like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> Am I like, is this this place? And he's like, no, you're like on the wrong side of town. 
And the words start dawning back to me of my friend who's gone out of his way to kind of make time, of it, which he doesn't have a lot of, saying, make sure you're on time. I'm like, how far am I from here? And he's like, it's a long way. <laughs> Here's what you gotta do. I'm like, oh no. So I'm like, run in. It's like a 40 degree day. I'm like sweating everywhere. He's ringing me going like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm, I'm on the way. I'm like, didn't wanna like admit to being lost, right? So I'm like, oh, you know, two minutes away. Haven't left yet. Uh, 20 minutes across the wrong side of town, running, running, running. I'm on the phone to him and he's like, are you near this building? And I'm like, yeah, I am. And he's like, well, I'm standing there. And I'm like, well, clearly I'm in the wrong place again. <laughs> and I'm like, it's all right, I'm coming. And so I'm running around again and he calls again. And he's like, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm here. And he's like, oh, I'm here, still waiting. <laughs> I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I was like, oh, I gotta be honest, I'm lost. <laughs> like I must be. He's like, there's this app on your phone called Find My Friends, turn it on. <laughs> I'm like, this is novel, so I turn it on. And he goes, I know where you are. And he goes, just wait there, I'll come get you. And I'm like, this would have been much smarter at the start. Why didn't you offer that? <laughs> like if this was an option, <laughs> this would have been handy the first time. So he comes to get me and I'm like a disheveled mess, like sweating, like stressed out. And he's like, it's all right, man, let's go to a cafe with air conditioning. I'm like, great idea. <laughs> go sit down, cool down. You know, what I love about that picture is sometimes we think we have to come to Jesus knowing everything. We need to have it all together. We need to know where we're going. We need to know all the answers. We need to be good enough. We need to be smart enough. We need to be spiritual enough. And Jesus is just going, you know what? Don't bother with all of that. I'll just come to you. Just wait there. Just invite me to come help. And I'll meet you right where you are at. You know, the, in the back of my mind, when I've read this story before, I always kind of picture Jesus like really just telling Thomas off. Like I forget the first bit where he's like, blessed are you because you believe. You know, he comes and he meets Thomas where he's at. He comes ready to deal with his doubts. He comes ready to, to handle his mess. He comes with the answers that he knows are the questions that Thomas already has. Doesn't come in and just scorn him and tell him off and go, hey man, why don't you have it all together? Why didn't you believe? Like I think Jesus understood that it was difficult for Thomas to believe. And so he meets him right where he is at and says, Thomas, you've got these questions. Here you go, I've got the answers for you. And Thomas no longer needs to put his finger in the nail and see the wounds. He responds with this great confession to God. My Lord and my God, so short. Many people declared Jesus as, as Lord. Many people recognizes him as the Messiah. But in this moment, Thomas declares him as his God. It is a strong confession of his belief and his commitment to Jesus and following him. And in one moment, Jesus walks into a room, meets a guy with a few doubts and a few questions in his mind and says, hey, come on. Here's the answer. Here's what you need. I understand where you're at and I'm willing to meet you right there. And Thomas goes, my Lord and my God, I believe now. You've revealed yourself to me. Then Jesus kind of moves to the telling off part where he's like, hey, come on. Blessed are you because you are able to see, but blessed are those who can't see yet still believe. 
You know, for all of us, we've got those things that I mentioned before. All of us will have a doubt at some point. All of us will have a need. All of us will mess up. All of us will fall short, ultimately, of who Jesus is. But what we've got to remember is he's willing to meet us right there where we're at. We don't need to wait till tomorrow. You don't need to wait till you're up to date in your Bible reading plan. You don't need to wait until you've been to church enough times. You don't need to wait until you feel like you're good enough or you know enough. Actually, he's right here waiting for you today, going, I know exactly where you're at. I know exactly what questions you have. I know what your struggles are. I know where you fall short. I know what you're worried and anxious about. I know where you feel like you're not good enough. But hey, I'm right here waiting for you. I have the answers. Don't disbelieve anymore, but believe in who I am. The, the passage continues for us. And it kind of wraps up this chapter with this. And it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in these books. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You know, I love that when we get that opportunity to confess and declare who God is, that that is where we find life. You know, in a world that is telling us what we've got to have, which is always something that we don't have, am I right? Like, you know, you have a house, so that's pretty good, but it's not big enough. Oh, you drive that car, well, this one's heaps better. You know, you can see where, where housing developments have jumped on this, where it's like, move to Alchemos. It's the perfect community. And you've got these perfect families walking down the beach with their kids going for a swim. Parks down the road. There's nothing else you need. You'll never need to leave Alchemos until you need something that's only at Junalup shops. Then you'll travel. Want to go to the movies? Not in the Alchemos. You'll travel. But it's the perfect community. There is nothing else you ever need. Is there an Audi? No, I don't know. Is there an Audi? No, I don't know. I know there's not a cinema. I'm getting a thumbs up. There's an Audi in the Alchemos. It's almost the perfect community. Build your perfect home so far south that your friends will never see you again. No one wants to visit you in Coburn. But the world is just telling us all these places that we will find life. And we get drawn into the advertising, don't we? Like, oh, I could move home. <laughs> I could live up there. Look at the beach. My life would just be better if I had a car that like, automatically connected my Bluetooth on time. Because mine doesn't now. I have to plug it in. It's annoying. And then I forget to plug it in. Someone rings me. I'm like, I wish I had a car with Bluetooth. It's only 30 grand. But we're all drawn to having stuff that we don't have. My life would be better if. But Jesus says, you know what? In me is where you find life. There's always going to be questions. Things are always going to happen that roll against what we want in life. Sometimes those things, unfortunately, will roll against what we think Jesus should be doing in our life and where he sits and the box and the picture that we have of him. We live in a world, unfortunately, where bad things happen all the time. And we don't always have answers for those things. You know, the disciples had Jesus. There's one thing I'm a, a little bit jealous of in life. It's that I wasn't born as a disciple of Jesus. I feel like that would have been a cool thing to be able to follow him around, to learn from him. That just would have been cool. Like, I'm not like ungrateful. I don't wake up every day and go, oh, Jesus, I wish I was born like a couple thousand years ago. I don't think like that. 
but it would just be a cool thing. And Jesus says it to him. He's like, blessed are you because you have been able to see me, see what I've done, see who I was, hang out with me, learn from me, be around the table with me. Blessed are you because you believe based upon what you have seen. But blessed are those who haven't seen me. More blessed are those who haven't seen me, yet still choose to believe. How do we get to that place? How do we get to that place where we're able to believe, where we're able to find life, where we're able to understand who we are and live our life based out of who Jesus is? It's through trust. If we don't have a foundation of trust in who He is, every time something swirls around, there's going to be doubt, there's going to be skepticism. Every time we feel like we're, we're not good enough, we're going to want to give up. We're going to want to walk away. But it's this trust that we can have in Him. You know, I love that the author of the book of John is so clear to say, hey, Jesus did heaps more than what we actually wrote in here. Like He did all kinds of miracles and stories. But these ones here were written so that you might believe. And when you believe, you'll find life. You know, we don't get the, the, the great privilege of walking around with Jesus and hanging out with Him and getting to, see, uh, getting to see all the things that they saw. We also don't have, we also have the benefit of not going through all the hardships they had to go through too. So it's kind of like... But the reality is, the Bible tells us these stories. The author wrote this book in such a way, he used the stories that he used, he's used the miracles and the encounters of Jesus that he used in this book, so that when people read them, they are able to believe in who he is. You know, the way we're able to believe without seeing it physically for ourselves is by getting to know who Jesus is. And we do that through his word. The reason why it's not just down to kind of what we feel at the time is because often we'll feel different things. Often we go through different stages. Now, I'm not saying we don't feel the presence of God. That is so critical. You know, I love that even Thomas, for eight days, still with doubt, hung out with the disciples. He's like, I don't believe you, but I'll still kind of be here. It's important to have people around us that are going to encourage us and challenge us and welcome us in with all our shortfalls. And that's why being part of a church community is so critical. You might be here today and that's not your story, that you don't believe in Jesus at this stage. You're still so welcome here. Because our hope would be at some point you'll have an experience of His goodness and who He is and His presence in your life, that you'll be able to believe in who He is. But for all of us, it's not enough to go based on what we feel and what other people tell us. It has to come down to what we know and what we trust. And when we learn about the character of Jesus, about the things that He did, the instructions that He, he left for us, the stories in His Word that all point us back towards who He is, we can have great trust in His name. You know, when you truly get to know someone, I have a, I have a friend called Josh and, and Josh Hegland is his name and, I, and he's one of my closest friends and he is a great man of character and he's a good friend and he is hospi he's hospitable. He's a great man and I trust him. Now, for someone to come along and, and say something about him that didn't add up to who he was, my trust would be in him. That doesn't add up to who, who he is. In fact, I'll probably go have a conversation with him because I've got the benefit of being around him and say, hey man, did you say that or do that? That doesn't kind of... So you could say kind of whatever you wanted to try and 
rupture my friendship there or cause me not to trust him. But because of what I know of him and who he is as a person and my friendship with him, it would take a lot for me to stop trusting what I know of who he is. And I can always go back there and go, hey, what is what, is what I know say here? What is what I've experienced of him? What, have, what about what other people know about him? Does that add up to this? No, I don't think so. I don't think that information is correct. Maybe we'll have a little bit of an argument. Friends do that sometimes, right? And go, hey, is this, what is this? This doesn't add up to what our relationship is. We need to sort it out based on the trust and the knowledge and the understanding of our relationship. Yes. See, it's really easy sometimes to personalize that kind of information with people that we know. Yet we have the same access to that in our relationship with Jesus as we learn about who he is, as we spend time with others that believe the same things as we do, as we encourage each other, as we come together on Sundays as well and worship him and learn from his word and grow in our knowledge of him. It's not about being smarter, but it builds a foundation of trust based on what we know. So that when someone or something comes along and tries to derail you in your faith, it's so easy to go, no, that's not what I know about Jesus. See, this is what I know about the character of Jesus. And something may feel off here or something might not be right or something I've done might cause me to wanna give up, but no, that's not what I know of Jesus. Actually, there's nothing I can do that would cause him to walk away from me. Why? Because I know that he meets me where I'm at and he has the answers to what I need. Why should I believe in him? Why? Because there's all this stuff in here that teaches me about who he is and it's building a foundation of trust in my life and I'm gonna choose trust over doubt and I'm gonna choose to believe and he is always there ready to pick up the pieces, ready to help us and he will always be there no matter how low it seems, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how strong the, the, the words of doubt are in our mind. He is stronger than all of that. And so my encouragement to you today, practically there's two things I think you could do this week that would be awesome. One is to read some stories about Jesus. Maybe you wanna pick up in, in kind of this little section that we're in about stories about what happened when he rose again and revealed himself to those who would have been filled with so much doubt, whose worlds had completely fallen apart, the disciples, over what had happened and how he met them where they were at. And he encouraged them and he strengthened their life and he set them on a path to, to live for them. But read these stories about Jesus so you can understand about his character. You can understand who he is. You can understand who he is in your world. Begin to build a foundation. Another thing that I think is, is so critical is to write some things down that you believe about Jesus. Unmovable, unshakable truth where he moves in your life, where he does things, where you see the evidence of who he is in you. Write them down. So that when there's an opportunity to not trust and to doubt, and to think maybe I need to give up and walk away, you can go back and you can read those things. And here's what I would say, keep it current. God is always at work. Jesus is always at work in our lives. But so quickly we can forget his goodness when it doesn't add up to what's happening at the time. It's so easy to go, no, this is too hard. Or no, those doubts are right. But when you can go back and you have a current list of things where Jesus is at work in your life, it is so hard for anything else to get in the way of that. And the third one is this, surround yourself with believers. You know, the first step to doing that is to, to be here on a Sunday, 
to be committed to the body of, of God's people that gather together. It's so important to have other people around you encouraging. There are so many things you will see, read, people will say to you, things that will happen that will try to derail. You know what? When you're a part of a, a community of faith and believers and you're locked into that and it's building into your life, it is another pillar for your life that doesn't allow anything to come between you and who Jesus is. Now hear me, these are not the only things that you should do. It's not a, a, a complete list and if you just do these things, everything will go okay. I promise you, hard things are gonna occur because that's what they do. But these things are here to help us. Just like the scriptures there, they're there to help us build a foundation of trust for our lives. And so if we can be doing these things, reminding ourselves where Jesus is at work, surrounding ourselves with people, learning about who he is and applying it to our lives. We won't doubt, but we will believe. I'm convinced that through the hardest of times, Jesus is there for us. We just have to find him. And where we find him is waiting for us. But so often it's the things that cloud our own judgment and our own eyes and the lenses that we look through that wanna prevent us from finding him. But we are blessed, not because we have seen the Lord, but because we believe in him. And when we believe in him, we find life. I'm gonna invite the team to, to come up and join us. And as we do that, we're gonna, we're gonna sing in a moment. But I'd love it if we could just close our eyes. I just wanted to, to pray uh, this morning. I wanted to just give an opportunity to, to be able to respond to, to Jesus and, and what he's saying uh, to us today and, and what he says through his word. And I just believe as no one's kind of looking around, I, I want this to be a, just a space of privacy for people as they're processing. To go, maybe you're here today and you haven't yet kind of made a decision to, to believe in Jesus, to place your life and your trust and your foundation in Him. I would love to just give you an opportunity today to say, I wanna start that, that process. Today, I want that journey to start. I wanna place my belief and my trust in Jesus and begin to live my life in Him. And if that's you, I would love to be able to pray for you. So I just ask that you'll slip up your hand just so I can see uh, who you are so we can pray for you as, a, as a, an active response to, to Jesus today to say, that's me. Uh, I wanna put my belief and my trust uh, in Him and begin to, to follow Jesus. And if that's you, you can just put it up quickly and, and put it down. I would love to, to just be able to pray for you. That's awesome. Is there anyone else today that wants to join and say, I'm gonna put my faith and belief in Jesus today? That's awesome, thank you. I'm just gonna pray. Lord, I thank you for, for those hands that were raised, the response to, to putting their trust and belief in you, deciding to, to live their life in a manner that follows you. And so Jesus, I pray today, like you did to Thomas, that you would reveal yourself to them, that they would no longer doubt who you are, but they would recognize the reality of you in their life. Lord, thank you that you meet us right where we are. That we don't need to be anything that we're not, that we don't need to be perfect, but we just need to be who we are. That you take us with our doubts and our mess and you allow us to trust in you and follow you. And so today I pray that they would recognize the gift of your life for them. And this would be the start of a long journey of following and trusting 
And uh, just before we, we sing this morning as well, I just wanted to give an opportunity of prayer and response for anyone who, who is struggling today with doubt. Maybe there's things in your life that have happened that are causing you to doubt who Jesus is. Maybe you just feel like you haven't fully trusted Him yet. Maybe you're in a position where you're like, I'll trust you if, or I'll trust you when. Or I don't remember the last time, Jesus, you, I had an encounter with you. For Thomas, it was kind of eight days before he got his moment that others had had. Maybe you feel like it's been years since you fully trusted Jesus. All those doubts have been sitting there for too long. If that's you, I would love to pray for you. Pray that you would be able to trust. Pray that the doubts that you struggle with, that He would help you overcome. And so if that's you today, again, I just invite you to slip up your hand. Just as a way of responding and saying, Jesus, that's me today. Those doubts, those things that have caused me to, to not trust you, those things that get in the way of my, my relationship with you. I wanna overcome those things. And if that's you, I would love to pray for you. So if that's you, if you slip up your hand. Right after you put it up, you can, you can put it down. It's awesome. Is there anyone else this morning, just before I pray, that says, that's me? That's great. Lord, I thank you again for each hand that has been raised. Lord, thank you that you don't leave us in, in a position where we are without you but you are waiting for us. And Lord, I pray for, for each person that's raised their hand or each person in their heart that has a question over your reality in their life or, or an issue of trusting you and knowing your goodness and your love and your grace for them. That has that seed of doubt in their mind as to whether you, you are who you say you are. Lord, like you did for Thomas, may you reveal yourself to them today. That they would no longer doubt, but they would trust that they wouldn't be far from you, but they would be close to you. Lord, that they would know that in you, they find life. And that there wouldn't be questions of doubt, but there would be faith and trust in who you are. And that as a church, Lord, we would choose that every single day. We would choose to trust you, choose to believe in you, choose to follow you, and in you, find life, joy, hope, grace, freedom. Lord, we praise you. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to, we're going to continue to sing. You know, another way that we, we kind of see this out play in our lives is, is when we sing and when we worship God. You know what we're doing as we do this this morning, as we sing this, this great song that talks about the resurrection of Jesus, that talks about things like my chains are gone, my debt is paid, that Jesus was able to overcome the grave. When we sing words like this, we're actually declaring the truth of God in our lives. They're not just songs that are catchy. They're not just songs that sound good. They're not just songs that we listen to, to to make us feel good. But they're actually bringing honor to God. And they're taking His reality and we're declaring it out. And we're choosing, no matter what our circumstances are, our situations are, or what we might be going through, we're choosing to put that to one side and declare His goodness and His truth and His freedom in our lives. And so that is the team leaders. You might not know these songs. You can read the words on the screens. The good thing about them are is they are kind of catchy, so you're able to pick them up pretty quick. But the reality is, let those words sink into your life. Let them build trust. 